Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. I want to talk with you this morning about adding to our faith. Adding to our faith. Our main text will be 2 Peter chapter 1. And let's read first of all the first four verses. Simon Peter, a servant or slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith. Have you obtained like precious faith? Well then he's writing to you. And that like precious faith in some cases is translated valuable faith. Do you consider your faith to be valuable this morning? For by grace are you saved through faith. It's valuable. Have obtained like precious faith with us, the apostles, the prophets, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given us a few things that pertain to life. All right. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. In these first four verses. He talks about God's doing. God's part. And basically he says look if you've got like precious faith I'm writing to you. If you've got valuable faith, I'm writing to you. You didn't get that on your own. You got that through the righteousness that comes by God and Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that you have that like precious faith? He dealt to every man the measure of faith, right? But then he goes on and talks about something else. God has made provision for each and every one of us to have grace and peace multiplied in our lives. How? Through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Now, how important is that? Well, grace is extremely important, is it not? Thank God it's saving grace, but it's also healing grace, delivering grace, strengthening grace, divine grace that gives us the ability to rise up above temptation and so on and so forth. And by faith, we access the grace of God. So he's saying your grace that that you have in your life that you're experiencing can be multiplied, not just added, but multiplied. And so thank God we have a means by which grace can be multiplied. It's through the knowledge of God. Well, if you've got multiplied grace in your life, that means you're experiencing a whole lot more than just being saved. Now you've got peace multiplied. Because you see, when grace is multiplied and you experience more, you've got more peace. Peace is multiplied. And that's that perfect state of shalom in spirit and soul and in body. You've just covered with the peace of God that passes all understanding. Amen? And so he's saying that, that he has provided that. He also says he's provided for us the divine nature. You've been made a partaker of the divine nature. Aren't you glad? You've got that new nature on the inside of you. The old man's passed away. Everything's become brand new. Amen. And then we've got these exceeding great precious promises. And we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things. So in this first section, he's talking about God's part. But then he shifts. He transitions. And he begins with verse 5. And he starts talking about 
our part. And so let's read that. Something that we must do. 5 through 7. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, or divine love. So now he is saying there's certain things that you and I have got to do if we want to experience fruitful Christian lives. If we want to promote our own spiritual growth and development. It's not going to happen just because God did his part. It's going to happen because we do our part. And so he lists certain things that we're going to study here today. And basically we say they're our part. It's our responsibility to do these things that he's talking about. And there's an important reason at the end of all this. And we'll explain that in a moment. But first of all, notice he says to add. First of all, he talks about using all what? Diligence. So everybody say diligence. Number one is diligence. And so when he's talking about diligence, if you look at this in the Greek, it means to bring in effort and zeal. To bring in zeal and effort. Now zeal, he's talking about that we're, we're bringing in great energy and great enthusiasm in order to achieve an objective or a cause. So what's he talking about? He wants us to see to it that we are energetic, enthusiastic, and excited about what he just said that God did for us in Christ. So that what he did for us in Christ is not just out there somewhere, but not being applied to our lives. He says, bring in zeal, bring in energy, bring in enthusiasm, and get excited about what Jesus has done for you with a desire to do what? Apply it to my life. I want it to be a reality in my life. I want to experience these things. He's saying, don't be slothful in this. Be energetic. Be enthusiastic. When I first got saved, I'm telling you, I could not put the Bible down. I could not put down books about the Bible, about the Word of God, about faith, about righteousness, about healing, about who I am in Christ, about the Holy Spirit, and, and all the, the manifestations of the Spirit. I just could not put it down. There is a fire that was in my bones. I just had to do it. There should be excitement, and there should be energy, and there should be enthusiasm. If not, then something is wrong, and I'm glad you're here today, so we're going to stir up the gift of God, praise God, that is in you, and get you back on the right track. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Why? Because he paid the price of his blood for us to be able to have it. We should want to have it and apply it to our lives. Right? In other words, we're not to sit back and be slothful and passive and just say, Okay, he did all that for me. I'm going to sit back and maybe once a week go to church and nod off. No. As a matter of fact, it has nothing to do with church. Your Christian walk has nothing to do with church. Your spiritual growth has nothing to do with church. It has to everything, everything to do with the mindset that you and I have that I'm going to find out what God said, praise God, and I'm going to apply it to my life. Okay, what's the next word? Throw the next word up there, faith. How important is faith? Well, praise God, by grace are we saved through faith. That should be enough said right there. But we thank God that we have faith and we can add to our faith. But notice also in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 because you'll see how these kind of dovetail together like companion scriptures here we desire that every one of you do show the same slack slothfulness 
Complacency. No. Same what? Just as they applied themselves, just as they were diligent, just as they were zealous, just as they were energetic, enthusiastic, show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, unto the end, we're not there yet, we're not walking on streets of gold yet, but in the interim, in the meantime, we're supposed to show somewhat some diligence, energy, enthusiasm, that you be not what? Slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So in other words, he did this for us so that we can experience the promises of God. Walk on the reality of what Jesus shed his blood for. And be conformed and transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can be a different person in daily life, everywhere we go. You know, I, I believe it was, well, it could have been Spurgeon, one of those preachers that said, if, you're not, if your dog's not better off for your conversion or you're being born again, then you better go and check and see whether or not you're saved. So in other words, if you're walking around kicking your dog, you better see whether or not you're saved. Or your cat, or whatever. You better check and see whether or not you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. In other words, the effect of salvation is so powerful that it should change a person's whole mindset. His character, his thoughts, his attitude, his behavior, his everything about him should change. And so, praise God, we're to be diligent to use the grace of God by faith that we enter into it to change the way we live and how we are. Now, we've come to Christ and thank God for what he's done for us. But once again, he wants to see to it that all that he did for us becomes a reality. And how does that happen? By faith through grace. I'm so glad I learned about the healing grace of God. I'm so glad I learned about uh, the delivering grace of God. Aren't you? Because you see, if we don't tap into it, it's not going to manifest. It's up to us. So thank God that we can add to our faith. Now notice how he says this is going to take place. You've got to add to your faith. What's the next word? We've got to add what? Virtue. Now virtue, if you do a study here, you'll find out even theologians, and this is why it's so difficult sometimes, will kind of differ on, let's say, the Greek word that's being defined or translated or whatever and you can see two emphasis here number one courage and the other one it would be moral excellence and so if you do a study here you can probably look at some that lean towards courage and some that lean towards moral excellence so I thought why not give both let's talk about both they both sound good to me so first of all let's talk about courage courage is having the ability to do something that maybe makes you tremble you're afraid of example Joshua notice chapter 1 notice what God said to Joshua Joshua is taking over the leadership of the children of Israel he is going to lead them into the promised land what shoes or sandals as he's going to fill is those of Moses and so I'm sure there were some thoughts that he might have had apprehensions or whatever but God Almighty speaks to him and says Joshua be strong and of a good courage. To discourage means that you lose spiritual initiative by sudden fear or perplexity. But he says, be of good courage. Why is he telling them to be of good courage? For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear to their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, 
that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous, and you'll have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. He is preparing him to face some fears. He's preparing him to face other soldiers that are out there that want to stop him from getting into his promised land. He's going to face uh, adversaries. He's going to face strong walls. He's going to face giants in the land. And in the natural, as you saw, the other leaders were afraid. When they saw all that they saw, they were afraid to go forward and get into the promises of God. And so he says, I'm telling you, be strong, be courageous, because it may in the natural, cause you to tremble but know that I am with you and no man will be able to stand before you as long as I am with you and I'm on your side and I'm fighting for you and I'm defending you so be courageous add to your faith courage why because you and I along the path of our Christian life will face a lot of situations that could be very intimidating and can cause us to be fearful but he says don't be courageous Hallelujah. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might and know that He is on your side and He will defend you and fight for you and go before you and bring you into the land of promise. Well, that was an example that was written for our good, right? To let us know that we too can face some giants in the land when it comes to entering into the fullness of our blessings in Christ. And we're to be courageous. We're to be strong. Maintain our energy level, our enthusiasm level. And rise up in the word of God and just say, there's no weapon formed against me that will prosper. But praise God, I will be victorious because he always causes me to triumph. I shared this on Friday and I thought it was very enlightening. And it's very important, I believe, to all of us. In the beginning, did God not give man dominion over all the works of his hands? And did he not say, I'm giving you power and authority over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air... And every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. You've got authority over creeps. Just to let you remember that. And then he went on to say. He gave them this power. This authority. Over every living thing. That liveth upon the earth. Think about that statement. Every living thing. That liveth upon the earth. He gave man dominion over. Yeah man lost his dominion. But Jesus got it back. And he said all power is given to me. Both in heaven and in earth. And I'm giving you the power of my name. To use my authority over what? Fish of the sea. The fowl of the air. And every living thing that lives upon the earth. Right? Well how about this? You know microorganisms are living things. You know viruses are living things. You know bacteria is a living thing. We've been given power and authority over every living thing. I would call them creeps. I don't know about you. Every creeping living thing that's destructive, we've been given authority over. We've been given power over. And God wants us to get that understanding of that so that we can rise up in the name of Jesus and exercise the dominion that he gave us over these things when they try to attack our bodies and destroy our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's something to contemplate throughout the day. Something to think about throughout the course of the day. You've got power and authority over every living thing. Now, the other part of that definition would be moral excellence. And that's basically talking about our character. And, and how we conduct ourselves in daily life. Whether it's our speech, our behavior, our attitudes. 
It could include uh, our actions and uh, also the choices that we make, the decisions that we make as far as how we conduct ourselves in life. Well, ask yourself the question, what does my life reflect with regard to the character of God? When others see me, my conduct, my character, do they see someone who is courageous or fearful? Do they see someone who is morally excellent or not? That I watch over my words to see to it that I don't use them to be damaging to anybody else because there's that speak like the piercing of the sword. But the tongue of the wise is health. Words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, health to the bones. Or that he sees someone who is really unconcerned about how I project the life that I live to others. I don't know about you, but when we get squeezed, we should want the love of God just to ooze out of every single one of us. We get backed into a corner, we shouldn't lash out in anger and, and use words that are damaging and destructive to people's lives. Never forget this. I recently taught it. Jesus said, you call a man Reka, you're in danger of judgment. You call a man fool, you're in danger of hellfire. I don't think he's changed his perspective. Why? Because everyone that we see or view as being a fool or as someone that you might say, Reka attacks, attacks their intelligence. It means brainless idiot. That's exactly what it means. You call someone a brainless idiot or you attack their character and call them a fool, then you're in danger of judgment and hellfire. And why? When you really think it through, is because every person in this world, in this place, in this world that we live in, was purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He paid the ultimate price. And I compare that to this, and it was almost mind-boggling, to see how far the, man, the mind of man has really uh, degenerated since the beginning of time. Think about this. Someone paid $100,000 for a trading card of Michael Jordan. Think about that. A trading card. Yeah, I know it was a rookie card. It's only worth what someone's going to pay for it, right? And I thought that was mind-boggling until I read about Roberto Clemente. And it was $331,000 or $41,000 for his card. And I thought, really? Really? And then, well, the big babe, Babe Ruth, $517,000 for his card. And then, to top it all off, Honus Wagner, 2.8 million first, and then $3.12 million for a trading card that was not even a perfect card. And then I read about a slave who was purchased for $2,000 in 1850 because he was skilled in blacksmithing and he was young. Today's money would be $58,000. A trading card, $3.12 million. A human life, $2,000, even $58,000. But to Jesus, all the silver, the gold, the cattle on a thousand hills could not buy his ransom. That slave was worth a whole lot more than $2,000 in his eyes. Can you say amen? So he says, don't call anybody a fool. Don't call anyone a brainless idiot. And watch the words that come out of your mouth when you speak about my people. I'll take that admonition. What about you? 
Next word, let's throw up there. Knowledge. Knowledge. John 17, 3, Jesus made this declaration. This is life eternal. This is eternal life. That they might know thee. Know, that word know, epignosis, from the word gnosko in the Greek. It means the most intimate personal knowledge you can have of someone or something. To know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ who thou hast sent. He's talking about knowledge that perfectly unites the subject with the object and they come together as one it's like in Adam and Eve how Adam knew Eve and they be, they produced a child it's it's like electricity you know about it book knowledge but you stick your finger into a socket and then you get zapped by electricity now you know electricity it's like that donut that you ate today you know every ingredient you know I say every week when Paul whatever Paul brings donuts on Friday morning there's no calories and no carbs in any of those donuts if you don't eat them Pretty logical, wouldn't you say? But it's not knowing what that's made of. It's eating it, enjoying it, tasting it. Amen. That's the kind of knowledge to really know God, to know Him, His person, His character, His love, His concern, His care for every single one of us. And when you know Him deeply and intimately, that's what's happening. He, so he says, Peter says, add to your faith this knowledge of God. And that's why we're here today. We should never stop learning about the things of God. The love of God, the character of God, the person of God, the power of the Holy Spirit and all that. And then also ask yourself some questions. Am I seeking to know God's ways, to know His word? Am I really continuing to seek to know? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His laws, His judgments, His commandments and statutes are written and listed for a reason for us to understand and know Him. I want to live the way He wants me to live. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the what? Way of death. I don't want that way. I want God's way. And so I should seek to find the way of God. Get more knowledge. Get more understanding of the things of God. Am I seeking to know what's right and wrong in His sight? And oh, I would love to have a bullhorn so loud it would just, just resonate throughout the entire United States of America. What's wrong and what's right in the sight of God, not government? Can you say amen? What does God say is right? What does God say is wrong? And let's live by that. What's the matter with living by that rule? That's exactly how we should live our lives and we should all be seeking to find that for ourselves. Add to your faith what? Knowledge. And then finally, am I really having a desire in me to have intimacy with God like Paul did? Look at Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. And this is from the uh, Amplified Bible, the classic um, reading of the Amplified Bible. For my determined purpose is, now remember use energy and use enthusiasm for a cause. What's the cause? To pursue a cause. My determined purpose is that I may know Him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly. Hallelujah. Let that be the goal that we all have. Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Cody gave his testimony yesterday, at, uh, or Saturday, yeah, yesterday at the men's ministry. And I, it just blessed my heart just to hear him talk about how I came from here and now I'm here. I came from here, but now I got into the Word. I started studying Brother Hagin's books, learning this, learning that about this subject, that subject, whatever. And it blessed my heart to hear him say that he had a start here, but now I'm here, 
But I'm sure the goal is to go up there even more. To learn more and more and more. Because it's endless, praise God. We're never going to stop learning about God. We're learning about the creator of heaven and earth and all that in them is. How can we ever say that I've learned all that there is to know? Someone once told me, I've learned more. I've forgotten more about that Bible than you'll ever learn. Well, I said, well, there's something wrong then. Because you should never allow that to happen in your life. You should stay in the Word of God and keep the Word of God ever before your heart and ever before your mind. Can you say amen? All right. The next one is temperance or self-control. Temperance, self-control. And this is really the ability to take grip of your own life, yourself. Get a grip. Do you ever tell someone, get a grip? They're kind of losing it emotionally and all that. They're disturbed by this, disturbed by that. And you just took them aside and just said, hey, get a grip. That's what he's saying here. Add this to your faith. Get a grip on your tongue. Get a grip on your words, your mouth. Remember the psalmist said what? Psalm 41 verse 3. Put a watch over my mouth. Right? Set a guard before, my, a guard before the door of my lips. Remember he said that? Have you ever prayed that way? Lord Put a guard over my mouth. In other words, when I say something that is disturbing to you, let a buzzer go off in me to let me know. Amen. So that I know that I know that I know I shouldn't said that. I shouldn't talk like that or whatever. Paul says all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. Yes, you can give a piece of your mind. And sometimes people feel like they should give a piece of their mind. Have you ever been to a basketball game with three referees that you don't like? Huh? Or a football game and your team's not winning because of some calls that were made that you don't like. People have no problem giving them a piece of their mind. I was at one uh, up in, um, I believe it was in the Shattuck one time. And uh, some lady had the police called on her and escorted her right out. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was fisticuffs. She's ready to fight, man. Absolutely, because you see her, he thought, she thought her son was just a, uh, being targeted by some of the other players. Next thing I know, the police are coming. I mean, she was very vocal. She wasn't vocalizing love. Or faith. Or peace. Or joy. Or long-suffering. Or anything of that nature. Oh, she gave a piece of her unrenewed mind to anyone that would listen. And I'm talking about vocally and, and also physically standing there on, in the stands for everybody to see. And everyone knew exactly what she meant. It was explicit. Put a watch over the door of my lips, my words, my moods, my emotions, my passions, my fleshly desires. Um, dare I say this, Lord? Put a door, put a, something over my lips right now. You're spending, ladies. I'm going to pay for this big time. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I got myself in trouble once. I just did it. I was like David. He said he was musing. It was burning up on the inside of his soul. And then all of a sudden it popped out of his mouth. And he said, I shouldn't have said that. But he said that. I'm just teasing because men spend too. But you understand what I'm saying? If we don't put a watch over our lives, then guess what? These insatiable desires that surround us in everyday life will control us. They'll control our lives. And so we should see to it that part of our prayer life is this. I'm adding to my faith temperance or self-control. So that whether it's my time, and that's a part of it as well, whatever it is, it's under control. 
Next, the next word is patience or perseverance. Patience or perseverance. One of my favorite scriptures, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Beautiful section of scripture with regard to patience and perseverance. Ask yourself the question, do I consider it joyful when I enter into difficult challenges and situations in my life? So if you find yourself encountering a difficult situation, adversity or whatever, is the first thing you do is just, hallelujah, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Is that what you do? Well, let's learn something here. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, you see, he never says to do something without giving you a reason or an understanding as to why to do this. Knowing what? That the trying of your faith works what? How am I going to add patience to my faith if I never get tried? I'm going to be tried. You're going to be tried. We're all going to be tried. Add to your faith patience. And knowing this, that when you're encountering difficult situations, the first thing out of our mouth should be joy. Count it all joy. How many of that runs cross-grain with the way we human beings are constructed and wired? Right? We don't do that. If I wake up and find something that's challenging, it's like, oh, I'm no different than you are. How about this? Woke up one Sunday morning to find out that the sore line had backed up in my garage. Christmas morning. I'm getting ready to come here. We all need showers. It's all backed up. Hmm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I felt like doing that, right? I count it all joy, praise the Lord, because this is an opportunity for me to develop what? Patience, perseverance in my life. And so I can just say, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. I I just believe, praise God, that no matter what I experience, I'm counting it all joy, which is my what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. See, we're not going to develop in our emotions until we start doing what the Word of God says to do. We feel like this. We want to do that because of our feelings, our moods, and our emotional swings and all that. But he says, don't do that. Don't yield to that. Do what? Count it. The word count is a military term. Command it to be joy. Command joy in that situation. Your feelings don't want to do it. Your emotions don't want to do it. But I'm commanding it to be joy in this situation. Hallelujah. I'm going to do what the Word says do. And I know that I'm doing this and developing what? Patience in my life. And I'm also activating the power of God to get divine intervention in the situation. Now that again runs cross grain with the way we think. And as a result, very few do it. When you feel like you're disgusted, you act like you're disgusted. When you feel frustrated, you spew out frustrating words out of your mouth. My mouth. All of us. We've got to train ourselves. Look in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6 and verse 12. We saw this one earlier, but now notice it. Notice how they dovetail together. That you be not slothful, but what? Diligent. Why diligence if it's easy? We've got to be diligent. Energetic. We've got to be enthusiastic. Be diligent, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now let's just think about, let's think that through just for a moment. Don't follow the leadership of those under Moses. Because they didn't inherit the promise and they didn't display faith and patience. 
They said, we can't do it. We can't get into the land. And then even under Joshua, when they got in, you can read Joshua 18 and see this. When they got into the promised land, you know what Joshua said to them? How long are you going to be slack to go in there and get your inheritance? Now let's show you how this all works together. They were already in, they were in the promised land. Twelve tribes, they all had a certain inheritance that was theirs. Five of the twelve tribes went in and got their inheritance. It says they received it. But seven of the twelve tribes did not receive their inheritance. And why didn't they receive their inheritance? Because they were lazy. Because they were slothful. Because to get it, they had to face probably an army. And guess what? They lost courage. They were no longer courageous. See, they were followers, yeah, but when they got to the time where they had to use their own personal faith, guess what? They didn't do it. And so what does Joshua say to them? Come on, stop being slothful, get diligent, apply yourself to the principles of God's word. Go and get your land. He said he'll drive out the inhabitants of the land. See, they weren't like a Caleb and a Joshua who says, give me my land, it belongs to me. So if we sit back and just, whatever happens, happens, that's what you'll get. But when you get diligent like he's saying, when I get diligent like he's saying here, faith and patience will help us inherit our promises in Christ. And they can become realities with our lives. So in other words, you think about a Dodie Osteen. Six weeks to live. 1981. That's a long six weeks, wouldn't you say? She's still alive in the front pew. As her son preaches from the pulpit. And that's 36 years ago. Right? You think she was slothful? Read her book. You talk about diligence. I put together a network of scriptures. I spoke those words of God over my life every single day. I heard her personally with my own two ears. And that was probably about 10, 15 years ago. And she said, after, what, 20 years of this? I still say those words every single day. I still speak the truth of God's word. All those scripture references I speak every day. I will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. You bore my sickness. You carried my pain with your straps. I was healed. Therefore I'm healed. The Holy Ghost who lives in me quickens my mortal body and makes it alive. You said you would restore health to me and heal me of my wounds, Lord. You forgive my sins. You heal my diseases every single day. Every single day. Diligence. Diligence. Perseverance. And you think about the woman that they had her, her daughter that was uh, possessed of a devil. Imagine living with that every single day. Now, I'm not talking about those of you that think your child is possessed with the devil. <laughs> Just to clarify. I'm talking about someone genuinely possessed with a devil. Day in and day out and day in and day out. And she's overcome by all this, oh my goodness, concern for this child who is just so overwhelmed by a demon spirit. Probably, who knows, driving her crazy and make her do things. The one guy was suicidal as a result of this possession, right? And she is so overwhelmed by this, she goes to the disciples and they can't do anything. She goes to Jesus and he calls her a dog. Talk about perseverance. We're talking about now what our mood swings, when you're talking about using your faith and diligence to inherit the promise of God, and you've got to apply these, all these principles, they apply here, okay? And so what does she do? Call me a dog if you want to call me a dog. You know how many people would have been hurt? Tell between the legs, run home. I went to his disciples and they just, I heard them in the background say, get rid of her, Jesus. Oh, you hurt my feel bad, so I'm going to leave. She didn't do that. And then Jesus, have mercy on me, help me. My daughter's possessed of a devil. I can't take it anymore. Jesus said, it's not right for me to give the children's bread to a dog. Yeah, Lord, but you know what? Got it right. Good point. Made a good point. But dogs can eat crumbs. Dogs can eat crumbs. 
Give me the crumb. That's all I need. And what does Jesus do? Oh, great is your faith. Be it to you as you will. And her daughter was delivered from a demon in that very same mouth. Can you imagine that reunion when she went home? Can you imagine how they just embraced each other and got together and just loved on each other? She's now in her right mind. Oh, what a good God we serve. Look at Luke's gospel, chapter 21, verse 19. This is so important. In your patience, possess ye your souls. Why is it important to develop patience? Because in your patience, you possess your soul. Don't let mood swings possess you or me. In our patience, we have to develop patience. We possess, we take control over our moods, over our emotions, our souls, the way we think, our mental attitudes, and so on and so forth. And Jesus said that. You know it, in what light Jesus said that? When he talked to his apostles, his disciples, and said, you're going to go out there, and you're going to get abused, you're going to get misused, you're going to get persecuted, you're going to be afflicted, and when you get out there, some of you will even be put to death. But he says, but don't fear, not one hair on your head will be harmed for in your patience possess ye your souls. Can you imagine that? Going into that kind of a, let's say, lion's den. And realizing, I'm going to get afflicted. I'm going to get persecuted. You realize the Christian walk is one of faith. And you're going to get persecuted for what you believe in. Today, like we've never seen before, in these United States of America, really, you're frowned upon if you're a conservative. You're frowned upon if you believe in the things of God. You're frowned upon if you, if you don't believe that a, a, in abortion, if you don't believe in, in, in marriages that's against the will of God. You're looked down upon. You're frowned upon for all that stuff. Really? So you're going to get persecuted in the workplace, anywhere you go, and whatever you do. And what is he saying to us? Count it all joy. And develop some patience. And let patience have her perfect work. That you might be perfect and entire wanting nothing. Can you say amen? amen. Well I thought I'd finish this. But maybe we'll pick it up next week. That okay? Okay how many of you will give me more? Uh, five minutes more. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55. I got 100 minutes going. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh my. In your patience possess you your souls. That's just, just resonating with me. In your patience you possess your souls. Because you see this soul. That's the battlefield. That's the battleground. The mind, will, emotions and intellect. And it, the flesh wants to control the spirit through this soul of ours. And the spirit wants to control the flesh through the soul of ours. And there's a battle. A fierce battle taking place between the two. Who will win out? It's up to us to make a decision that we are going to develop patience and possess our souls and don't let them possess us. How many of you had opportunities to be frustrated? How many of you had opportunities to be angry and sin? I'm not going to ask how many of you give in. I'm just I'm going to ask that question. Right? Every day we do, don't we? But what do we do? Let it be our prayer. Lord, put a watch at the door of my lips. Set a guard. Amen. And help me get a good deal on duct tape. So I could tape my mouth. It might be a whole lot better just to do something like that and just say, if you can't say anything that you're supposed to be saying, then duct tape it. And then when you calm down and, and, and you're in control of your emotions and all that then rip it off of course it'll hurt and you'll say ouch 
And he might start over again. Let's stand up. Let's stand before the Lord. I'll finish this next week. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.